Hallelujah. Isn't God good? And I'm telling you, Gateway, prepare yourself for new endeavors. God is, God is on the move. And he's moving among us. And he's doing wonderful things in the lives of the people here uh, who attend this church in our community. The things that we've done to reach out the best that we can in this season of COVID. Come on now, somebody give me an amen on that. It's not easy, you know. But we're going to keep doing it because God has called us to reach people, amen? To reach people with his love, to reach people, you know, with the grace of Jesus Christ so that they understand the unmerited favor of God working in their life, right, begins to transform them. We can't change ourselves, right? We can, we can assert our will. We can accept what God is doing and allow him by his Holy Spirit to change us from the inside out, amen? And so... Uh, what I want to do is I want to go into our new series. This series is going to be called uh, Generous. Say generous. And God has called his people to be a generous people because he is a generous God. Amen. And uh, I want to tell you a story. Uh, Angie and I, uh, years ago, um, you know, I remember I got saved. I've shared that story here. And I remember getting saved the next Sunday I'm at church and the, they passed the offering plate then, right? How many remember the times of passing the offering plate? And they passed the offering plate, and Angie goes, do you, do you want to tithe? And I'm like, yeah, you know, get five bucks. She goes, honey, tithe is 10%. I'm like, 10% of what? She goes, everything you make. And I'm like, yeah, no, we're not doing that. And I went home, and I began to read the Bible, and I see all the way back where Abraham gives a tithe. You all understand that Abraham gave his tithe as faith, out of faith towards God. It wasn't a command, as, as Randy shared today. It was, it's not a command. It was a command. It was law. Jesus didn't come to destroy the law. He came to fulfill the law. And in fulfilling the law, there's grace for us to walk in that obedience to Christ, right, and give to the work of God. Can I get an amen? And so here's the thing. Abraham gives out of faith, and then comes the law, the law was weak, and that it, what it did is it, it, it basically increased the power of sin in mankind's life, but showed that we can't measure up. The law is the schoolmaster, the Bible says, that brings us to Christ. In other words, I learned this about the law, and I'm like, man, I, I really have failed at that. And then I learned, man, I failed at that, I failed at that, I failed at that, I failed at that, I failed at that. Anybody read the law and ever feel like that? Okay. So, so what happens is it's like, man, I just don't measure up. Yeah, but Jesus does. Jesus measures up. Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets. So what happens is, is that out of his generosity, he gives his life. And we're going to see in this message today that, that Jesus exhibited the characteristics or the attributes of generosity towards us. And because of that, when we're in relationship with him, we should be a generous people. Can you say amen? Okay, so here's our scripture uh, for today, the, the main scripture comes from 2 Corinthians 8, uh, 1 through 12. Brothers and sisters, we want you to know how God showed his kindness to the churches in the province of Macedonia. While they were being uh, severely tested by suffering, their overflowing joy, along with their extreme poverty, has made them even more, somebody say it, generous. I assure you that by their own free will, they, they have given all they could, even more than they could afford. They made an appeal to us. Say appeal. appeal. 
they appealed to the apostles. They appealed to God's uh, uh, ministers, begging us to let them participate in the ministry of God's kindness to his holy people in Jerusalem. They're in Macedonia. They're given to the ministry of reaching people in Jerusalem. Come on, somebody. Beyond their, their selves, they're giving to the work of God to see it advance in another place. Go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them to obey all I've commanded you to do, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Lo, I'm with you even to the end of the age. That's called the Great Commission. That Jesus gave us a commission to go, not to stay. We may come to church, but then we go from here. And when we go from here, hopefully we're taking something with us that has encouraged us, inspired us, challenged us. And we take that in the places that we go so that people can experience the kingdom of God that is in us. Luke 2 says the kingdom of God is in you. And where you go, the kingdom of God goes. So we, we receive these uh, lessons and what happens is is we go so that we can teach others to obey the commands of Jesus they were exhibiting love look at this they did more than we had expected first they gave themselves to the Lord and to us since this was God's will this led us to urge Titus to finish his work of God's kindness among you in the same way as he had already started it indeed the more your faith your ability to speak your knowledge, your dedication, and your love for us increase. The more we want you to participate in this work of God's kindness. I'm not commanding you, but I'm testing how genuine your, your love is by pointing out the dedication of others. Using the example of what the Macedonians had done, he is challenging others to step up and be as generous as the Macedonians you know about the kindness of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor in order to uh, make you rich through his poverty. I'm giving you my opinion because it will, uh, it will be helpful to you. Last year, you were not only willing to take a collection, but had already started to do it. So finish what you began to do. Then your willingness, come on, your willingness will be matched by what you accomplish with whatever contributions you have, since you are willing to do this, remember that people are accepted if they give what they are able to give. God doesn't ask for what you don't have. God does not ask for what you don't have. Now, here's the deal. What we have, we may measure different than God measures it. <laughs> Come on. You know, I, I get, uh, you know, um, hey, I receive, and then what happens is, is, you know what, I'd like to maybe have a new motorcycle, like a Harley Davidson or something like that. Come on, anybody in the room? Okay, so, so we're divided on that. It's not the word of the Lord. A Harley Davidson is not the word of the Lord, but I would like a Harley. Can I get an amen from those? And the rest of you be quiet for a minute. <laughs> but see, I have to measure you know, there's an element of what I want and there's an element of giving to what, right, advances what's more important. This is the store up your treasures in heaven. Where your heart is, right, there will your treasure be. That Where your treasure is, there is your heart also. So I treasure the kingdom of God so I don't have a Harley yet. Come on, somebody. I do have a, a Honda Interceptor. 
a 2005. It's, it's a great bike. My, my wife got it for my 30th birthday. She said I was old enough to be trusted to drive a motorcycle. And that, I'm not joking about that. She would not let me get a motorcycle until I was mature enough to ride it without going crazy. And uh, I still go crazy sometimes. <laughs> so listen, uh, for Angie and I, um, there was a time in our life. So, you know, I came to the point of tithing uh, by reading the scripture. I wanted to just give five bucks. And I came to the point of tithing, being generous, because God's so generous with me. And, and then uh, I'm giving. We were, we were part of a ministry, a church, that uh, they did some horrible things. They didn't manage well. They, uh, the leader failed. And, you know, it, it hurt. Anybody ever been hurt in the church? Has anybody ever been hurt in the church? Most of us have. Why? Because everybody around you is as imperfect as you are. Right? And people make mistakes. But this was a big mistake because it, there was no accountability and as a result of that, what ended up happening is, is, you know, everything comes crashing down. And that had a huge effect on Angie and I because our job is gone in, in an instant. So I got to figure things out. Went back to Ohio. I started working in construction, uh, you know, as I did when I was a kid. Um, when, when I did all of that, what happened was is I, I'm working uh, in ironwork. And my brother, uh, who is my executive pastor, which is back here, uh, he comes to me and says, hey, look, uh, you know, the, the alumni team from high school, you know, a bunch of them are going to play. The year, you know, they come together in, you know, uh, 19, uh, what is it, 1985 plays 1989 or, you know, the graduates or whatever. And so you have your teams and you go back. I said, bro, I can't get hurt, man. I got three kids and I, I mean, I got to support them and I can't get hurt playing basketball. He ain't going to get hurt. Come on. I go, we play, and there's a guy and he, he had grown substantially since he graduated high school and the ball gets away and me being aggressive like I am I dive for the ball my hands out on top of it you know laying on the ground and so it's extended well this guy dives on me and lands on my shoulder and I hear it just pop right and, I, and I'm laying there oh just writhing in pain and Brent comes up being the big brother that he is and he's like come on man, get up shake it off so I do what my big brother said, and I get up. I'm like trying to shake it off. I rotate the shoulder, right? Is it going to work? I rotate it, and all I know is it's like bones just popping off one another. It was, it was separated. It's C3 separation, snapped the ligaments, all three of them in my shoulder. And I rotate it, and I hear it pop. And all I can tell you is, is that I'm in this daze, and I just start walking to the sideline where Angie was, and I walk up to her, and I'm like, we got to go. And I, walk, I just kept walking toward our Jeep. And uh, we get outside, get in the vehicle. And here's the deal. During that time, I'd become bitter and angry. When my shoulder was separated, I couldn't work anymore. Ended up, uh, you know, it wasn't work-related. So the best I could get was $400 a month in a time where things were already really tight for Angie and I. And it's interesting, um, I had stopped tithing. I didn't want to tithe anymore because of what we went through in the church and this and that and stopped giving to the Lord. And then all of a sudden, um, I'm, I'm in poverty. I mean, I just, we don't have enough. Do you know, though, that my mindset, it shifted because I knew I couldn't trust in myself. I didn't have the ability to work and, and, and have enough. That was a tough time. You ever been there? I was watching online. We welcome you and 
should have done it at the beginning of the service, but have you ever been there? And we were there. Do you know that we started tithing off that $400 a month, basically disability? $400 a month, and we're giving 40 bucks, man, faithfully. Remember that? Just dropping it. I mean, you know, hey, like the widow with two mites. 400 ain't going to get it done for three little babies running around and Angie and I. It just ain't going to get it done. God, I need you. And so it really had this, this effect on me that it was like, God, I know I've, I've, I've left you. I've left my confidence and trust in you. See, you can't serve God and mammon. You know, if you, it, it, I got money, so I'm safe and I'm secure and I'm good. No, I got God, so I'm safe and I'm secure and I'm good. Can somebody say amen? And when I have God, what happens is, is it's okay for, for me to be in covenant with what he says connects us. I bring my tithe to the Lord. And he says to test him and see if he won't pour out so much blessing I can't retain it. Watch, out of $400, we're tithing 40. I'm going to have to speed it up. <laughs> out of $400, we're tithing 40 bucks. And out of that, what happens is, is we end up, um, I'd never worked in like an office job, you know, I mean in the military some, sales or anything like that. And so my brother-in-law at that time, he, he said, man, you're, you're personable. You, you ought you to go get a job in sales. I'm like, oh, dude, I, I don't want to be in sales. I, I don't know if I could do that. He said, man, I can get you an interview with this guy and just go try it. So I do. Uh, they hired me at about $18,000 a year um, salary base. That's still not enough to support a family of five. Come on, somebody. Um, so what ends up happening, though, is that I have a commission. And, and as I grow my, my, um, my people, um, my base, then I would go on commission, fully on commission, no salary. So I get into this job, and I'm tithing the $40, and all of a sudden I take this job at $18,000. i am driving down the road to do a measure, and basically the job was a, a $400 job, and even the commission on that, if I was on full commission, would have been 40 bucks. Now that was interesting to me. I'm making 400, I'm tithing 40, and if I was, you know, I go and do this job, and basically if I was just on commission, I would make 40 bucks for the $400 job. Isn't that weird? It's not weird. It's God doing something. Because in that, I'm like, God, I can't live on this. He goes, I know that. Now, now I, I know it may sound weird, like God doesn't, it's not audible or anything like that, but this impression that no. So what I want you to do is go tell him you want to be on straight commission and not on that salary because that salary is not enough. And I'm going to do a work in your life. So I'm being faithful in the little. I wasn't being faithful in the much. I was being faithful in the little because I was desperate, had to have God. And what ended up happening was, is I go in and I tell that guy, hey, look, um, I just want to be on commission. I don't want the salary. He goes, people don't do that. <laughs> You'll starve. I'm like, well, I got to. He goes, why? So I just got to. He goes, let me guess, God? Because he, he was a Christian, and we'd already had a talk about that. And I told him, yeah, God impressed upon me to just go straight commission. The first month, I made what I would have made on the salary. Second month, I made double that. The third month, I made triple. The fourth month, I made quadruple. And I, I mean, I watched God bless it. You remember that? Took us from $400 and took us to where I'm, I mean, I'm making $10,000 a month or more. You get what I'm saying? Come on, somebody. That's, that's some miracle, miracle working, right? So we're in a really good position financially. 
And then God comes knocking and says, hey, I'm calling you to Colorado Springs. I want you to go pastor a church. What? This is the first time in my life I haven't made money like this. You hear where I'm coming from? And, he, and this is what he said. I want you to go like a Nehemiah. When we came to this church, it was struggling. It was struggling financially. It was struggling in growth. And I watched God begin to do a work that, that was amazing. But we, we took, went from that money to about 27000 a year to start here. And we watched God just do miracle after miracle after miracle. Now, I share that story to say for you, as I share this message, none of this is to, um, it's not for compulsion. The things I'm sharing about tithe, I mean, they can, they can make us feel unsettled when somebody starts talking about 10% of our income. Come on. Are you all with me? Don't, don't let on like that doesn't make you nervous. Because I know, I understand, and I've lived there. But I want to tell you, you will not go wrong when you're in covenant with God. He's the one that establishes that where it comes to your income. You're not serving mammon, you're serving God. And you take your mam mammon money. And you take your money and you tell your money, like this is what you're going to do, money. <laughs> Go on with me. This is what you're going to do, money. <laughs> you're not with me. Say, this is what you're going to do, money. Let's do it one more time. This is what you're going to do, money. See, you want to have your money. You don't want your money to have you. When God says serving him or mammon, I mean, I don't serve money. Well, if money's the most important thing to me, let me say, I, I certainly won't give to God if money's more important than God. Come on. I won't be generous if money's more important than God. So let me give you my first point here. Four attributes of a generous person. A generous person gives joyfully. You saw that they had a joy in their giving even though they were giving out of their poverty and beyond what they were able to give. They had a joy in doing it. 2 Corinthians 8, 2. While they were being severely tested by suffering, their overflowing joy, their motivation was an overflowing joy to be generous in the work of God. A generous person gives joyfully. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, each man should give what he has decided in his heart. To give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. My thing is, is, if you feel compulsion when you hear a message like this, it challenges you. Don't start giving then. Go home and begin to pray around what you've heard. And let God, right, impress upon your heart. Like, and this is what I want to do. Watch Proverbs 21, 26 says, Some people are always greedy for more, but the godly love to give. The godly love to give. Second one, a generous person gives willing. The second attribute of a generous person, a, a generous person gives willingly. It's out of your own free will. God gave you free will, and you can exercise it whichever way you want to go. 2 Corinthians 8, 3, here it is. I assure you that by their own free will. I mean, they're in poverty. Paul the apostle was not compelling them, was not telling them, if you don't do this, God's going to judge you. If you don't do this, then you're cursed he was telling them, here's the opportunity for you to be a part of God's work. Be generous to God's work. Because God's going to be generous right back to you. Amen? So uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 8.12 says, For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable. See, if, 
if I do it out of compulsion, if I do it because I feel like, well, it's my duty, I've got to do this, rather than my desire to be a part of something greater than me, then what happens is, is it's not acceptable to God. Because he wants the heart, not your money. But giving to him establishes that the money doesn't have your heart. Did you get that? Right? He wants your heart, not your money. And to bring back to him what he asks for, asks for, doesn't, you, you do this or I'm cursing you, asks for that when we do that, money doesn't have me. God's got me. Amen? Matthew 5, 17. Listen, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or prophets. I have come, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. The beauty of it is, is that in our relationship with Christ, we get that walk of grace that we keep walking towards God and learning, right, to obey all he's commanded to do. Well, tithe is a command. No, tithe is a request for you to be in covenant with God. And yes, there's a command aspect. We read it and it's like, man, it seems like God's commanding that, right? Jesus fulfilled the law. We know we're going to fall short. But in falling short, understand that in relationship to Christ, his grace keeps moving us forward. Listen, the Bible says, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees, which Jesus kind of, you know, they went back and forth all the time, amen? Unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees, you will by no means enter into to heaven, the kingdom of God. It's like, well, how's that work? Jesus fulfilled it all. And in my relationship with him, he fills the voids. He fills the gaps. Remember this. Grace is not permission to keep the gap there for Jesus to fulfill or to fill. Grace is there so that you can become like your Savior. Right? God's cha changing and transforming you into the very likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. So the void that's there that Jesus fills is meant to, to fill and, and, and not be empty and make you like him so you can begin to do what Jesus would do. Let me ask you, do you think Jesus was faithful in the tithe? <laughs> Listen to you. <laughs> Pastor, talking about money. I don't do it all the time. But there are times where I believe, I so believe it's important for us not to have any other gods before him. And that, in America, I just got to tell you, we're the wealthiest nation on the planet. When you think about, you know, giving out of our poverty, it doesn't even compare to what he was talking about with the Macedonian. I mean, 90, what, 90-some percent of the world, right, lives on less than $2 a day. Maybe that, may, I think that's right. I mean, there's a large portion of the world that is impoverished. That's why we're called to go beyond these four walls. We're called to invest in God's work. I want to say this, that as Gateway moves forward, you're going to begin to see more missions works put before you and to have opportunities to give to those works. Can you say amen? I want us to be kind to the poor. I want us to go beyond what we would normally do to see people's lives affected around the world. And we don't do that enough as a church. We need to be like the Macedonians. We need to care about other places. And we need to, I'm telling you, God will bless you beyond your imagination when you are invested in the Great Commission. Amen. And so, uh, number three, a generous person then 
gives sacrificially. This is kind of the threshold. This is where we cross. So it's like the one thing that keeps us back is the feeling of sacrifice. That I'm actually sacrificing. I'm giving something up. And that is true. There's no doubt about that. That we give something up. When we come to the Lord and we give back, we are giving something up. There's an element of a feeling of sacrifice in that. In 2 Corinthians 8, 3 in that passage we read uh, at first, they have given all they could even more than they could afford. Somebody say sacrifice. Crossing that threshold is a hard one. If you can get that in your mind and heart, that, you know, yes, I'm going to sacrifice something to give to God, but that's the step I need to take. I'm denying myself. I'm picking up the cross, and I'm following Jesus. Why? Because his sacrifice, when he died on the cross, the Bible says that he's the propitiation for our sins. He's the purchase price for us. He, he was as generous as generous can get. But it took a sacrifice to get that blessing to the people of God. Can you say amen? And and here it is. Listen to this. In in 2 Samuel, you've heard me quote this before. It's 2 Samuel 24, 24. But the king said to Arana, no, I must pay you for everything. I will not offer burnt offerings, sacrifices to the Lord, my God, that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. This is David basically where, where somebody said, you're the king here, you can just take it to give to God. I'll give it to you to give to God. And David's saying, no, 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 I'm purchasing that because I'm not going to bring something, in a sense, that will be your sacrifice, your offering to God, not mine at that point. You all get that? So, so no, I'm going to bring something that costs me. I, I want it, hey, come on, I want it to hurt a little. I want it to hurt a little. Why? Because then I know that, that my flesh is, is saying back to my spirit, like, hey, I don't really like this. But the spirit says this, but that's generous. It's generous when you go beyond what you're able to do. Can you say amen? All right. So, uh, and of course, here, here we get the, the, the one that displays it all. God's generosity to the world, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only and one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's generosity. That God displays the greatest gift to us is his son to purchase us back from our lost state, amen? And the fourth attribute of a generous person is a generous person gives intentionally. The Macedonians were not they're not just, oh, well, we'll just do this. No, there's an intention behind what they were doing. How do we know that? Because it says in 2 Corinthians 8, 4, out of that passage, they made an appeal to us, begging us to let them participate in the ministry of God's kindness to his holy people in Jerusalem. Begging. Come on. Hey, I just want to say, uh, we've been, many of you have been a part of church. You've been in other churches. Have you ever seen people come and beg to give? Come on, I've got to tell you, I've been doing this for for more than 25 years in ministry. I don't think I've ever experienced somebody come and they're begging to give to the work of the Lord. Have you? Show me a hand if you've seen somebody like, please, please let us give to this work. Begging, you understand what begging is? Most of us don't. We drive by people that are on corners and they're begging, correct? Correct. Now think about that, flip that where somebody, it's not begging, 
to receive something, but begging to give something. I mean, if that doesn't just like shock your normal mindset, you're not alive. It shocks me to think about people begging to give to the work of the Lord. But I tell you what, I would love Gateway to be that kind of church. Begging to give to see the kingdom of God established. We see all the problems in our society and everybody throwing up their solutions. I want to tell you the gospel of Jesus Christ is a solution for all the problems of the world. If you could get people to love God and love each other, come on. A lot of problems will go away. You think about the wealth of the world. The thing is, is it's like if you set up laws where you want to just take people's wealth. But I'm just telling you, there's not going to be a generous spirit in people. You got to inspire them by a vision that's greater than themselves. I got to tell you, watching online, the baptisms taking place, seeing the people of God do the work of God, watching fathers baptize their children. That's been one of my favorite things in ministry. I've not seen too many people do that. Most of the times, pastors baptize. You know, there's an element of connection that people feel to their pastor when he, when he performs those things, when he does those things. And that's, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And I get it. There's an honor, uh, an honor a place of honor in, in the life of the pastor to the people he pastors. But it's also an honor for the pastor to do those kind of things. But I want to tell you, for me, to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, that's, that's what I have a heartbeat to do, is to see you doing the work of the ministry. And I can think of nothing greater than when I, I'm sorry, gosh, nothing greater than watching a father baptize his child. Baptize his wife, for that matter. I, I saw uh, there's a whole family that, that God gave me the, the, the joy and privilege of, of sharing the gospel with. Uh, they've been Mormons most of their life, fourth generation Mormons and Mormons all their life. And there was a point in their life where things were just, you know, turbulent. And I watched as God worked in their life, man. And I'll never forget the day of baptism. See that father, you got to understand, he went through the, you know, the, the, the white shirts and the black tie. Their mission, two years, they've got to go around and go door to door. And he did that. You know there's a lot of spitting and cussing out that went on. There was a dedication in him. But I'm telling you right now, when, when he came to understand the gospel, and that salvation is Christ in Christ and Christ alone, <laughs> those steps, and then I watched him. I baptized him. He baptized his wife and all his children. And that, that was one of the most moving things that I think that I ever seen, to see a whole family come to Christ. And, and then go into baptism that way. And watching online and seeing the baptisms take place, it blessed my heart that the work of the Lord is going on and I don't have to be there. I want to be there. Sorry, gosh, I don't know what's the matter with me today. I want to be, I want to be here and I want to be a part of everything going on. But the fact that I don't have to be here and everything continues to go on, that's a testament of who you are as God's people doing the work of the ministry. And I celebrate that, amen? There's a intentionality in what's going on. Listen to um, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. You must make up your own mind as to how much you should give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Don't let it be pressure. Let it be revelation. 
Let it be illumination, something that causes you to see being a part of what God's doing is so powerful that the blessing will always be there for you. 1 Timothy 6.19 By doing this, you will be storing up real treasure for yourself in heaven. It is the only safe investment for eternity. It's the greatest investment that you'll ever make is to give into the kingdom of God. So here's the promise. Final thought, here's the promise. God will ensure the person with a generous heart receives more than enough to remain generous. As you're generous, God's going to bring back to you. Listen, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Proverbs eleven twenty five: a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And then in closing, <laughs> this passage in the Message Bible is so powerful. <clears throat> it says, God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything, more than just ready to do what needs to be done. As one psalmist put it, he throws caution to the winds, given to the needy in reckless abandon. His right living, right giving ways never run out, never wear out. The most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something that you can give away, which grows into full-formed lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. Man, I'm telling you that if you partner up with God, uh, God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. I close with this on Angie and I's story. Then when that happened with the job, right before that, you know, we're $400 a month. We don't have food. We got a half a jar of peanut butter half a loaf of bread and I think some beans and rice and the kids are begging for pop tarts and you know they, come on bring on the fruity pebbles you know what I'm saying there's none of that in the house it was a rough time and there's an element of pride in me even though I'm giving back to the Lord I wouldn't tell anybody I didn't want anybody to know how how bad things were and this is the beauty of the church and, and people that are generous God spoke to a family they show up at our door with a bunch of groceries I mean, like, you know, six, eight bags of groceries. You know, there was Pop-Tarts in there, too, a couple boxes of them. Matter of fact, I think everything the kids wanted was in the bags somehow. And I remember they came to the door, and they had the groceries in their hand. And I'm like, what, what's that? And they're like, well, we brought you groceries. And I'm like, well, we don't need that. And I remember the lady, and this is the beauty prophecy, here's the thing, prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. When we discern things within the body of Christ, within our brothers and sisters in Christ, sometimes things need to be spoken. And in that, here's what happened. That woman, an intercessor, just really a prayer warrior, she put the groceries down and she looked at me and says, God said, pride brought you to this point. I mean, I'm broke. That pride comes just peeling off of me. I went to my office and I sat in there and sobbed why they brought the groceries in. 
broken from my pride that my family was where. And God wants to, he wants to bless you. He wants to do miracles in your life. That was a miracle. For our kids, that was an amazing miracle. My dad, you know, he's too prideful to let people know how hard things are. And we're eating beans and rice and peanut butter and bread. Man, I'm telling you, they're out there. I hear them dancing and shouting, we got Pop-Tarts, we got Pop-Tarts, right? And I just know Jesus is in heaven like, that's right, that's exactly. Right? He knows, he knows the desires of our heart. He wants to bless us. And I know Pop-Tarts can seem small and simple, but it's not to a kid. God's blessing is, is a beautiful thing when you're connected with him. And that moment brought me back to my knees in humility to understand that we need to know when other parts of the body are hurting. We need to be there to minister to one another. We need to be a generous people because God is a generous God. Amen. Stand to your feet. Heavenly Father, I thank you for everyone in this room today watching online. I pray, God, for your blessings over their life. I pray, Lord, as they connect to you in greater ways. God, every day, I pray that their walk is a greater connection with you because in that is where the blessing is, is to have that full, genuine Father relationship with you through Jesus Christ, the power of your Holy Spirit working in us. So, Lord, I pray over your people that, Father, there'll be new moments in their life, miracles that you do in their finances, Lord, in their careers, in their families, in their relationships, that, Lord, your blessing will be full in their life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen.